the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This on-demand presentation from Talk910.com. This is Rob Black. Hear the Rob Black Show every weekday from 10 to noon Pacific Time on 910 AM, more stimulating talk, San Francisco. Thanks for your support. Enjoy the show. This is the new generation of talk radio in the Bay Area. This is KNEW, AM and HD, Oakland, San Francisco, San Jose. Now, your money, your life. It's Rob Black. Okay, so I got a dilemma tonight. Do I watch Lost or do I watch a hockey game? I'm going to tape Lost. So, I, I'm a DVR dude now, right? Aren't you? Aren't you a chick, a DVR chick or a DVR dude? Like, I almost, I almost prefer, like, for instance, one of the shows that I really like is Dexter. I almost prefer watching Dexter on DVD in one week versus over 13 weeks. I kind of like getting it out of the way. I kind of like remembering what happened on the last episode because I, I don't have picture perfect memory. Do you? I think I've done some drugs in my life. Aspirin. This caused my brain to rot. And as it's rotted a little bit, I, I go, I don't remember that character or, Oh, that's a vague character from season one coming back up. So anyway, lost night, you know, what's interesting. Lost is, Avatar taught us something. Lost is teaching us something. Is there's this huge clamor for Lost right now. And what we learned in the last couple of days is that Lost, the final season, a couple of the episodes have been leaked on the internet. At least one has. No one really watched it. Interesting, right? Now, like when the TV show Fringe was first coming around, it was leaked three months before. And everyone watched it. They're like, oh, I get what the show is going to be about. But with Lost, they want to watch it on their TV. They want to watch it with their surround sound. They want to watch it in their high definition. They don't want to watch a shaky cam. So the producers of Lost decided to show the first episode in Oahu to citizens of Oahu. And, you know, some fans flew in from around the world to, to watch the last, uh, the beginning of the end, so to speak. And anyway, you get the idea. So it's interesting. Hollywood should take a lesson from this. Taylor Swift, like, we'll buy records if you're unique and fresh. Avatar. We'll go to the movies if you give us something other than Mel Gibson in a car chase, flipping over, getting angry, taking his shirt off. Good guy shoots the bad guy. Bad guy misses. Bad guy shoots the good guy. Good guy shoots the bad guy. Finally, bad guy dies. Like, we've seen that so many freaking times. Why don't bad guys carry good guy bullets? Because good guy bullets are so much better than bad guy bullets. Bad guy bullets always miss. Good guy bullets always get them straight in the eye. So anyway, Lost comes on tonight. I'm not seeing that call. Is that call on this call screen? Okay. I see the phone ringing, but I don't, but no one's home. 800-345-5639. Uh, President Barack Obama. This falls in the world of business and news. $3.8 trillion budget for the fiscal year raises taxes on businesses and upper income households by two, over $2 trillion over 10 years. And it cuts spending on programs as considerable political sport. 
but it's going to still leave the nation with $8.5 trillion in added debt over the next decade. So everyone's going to be like, hey, he's cutting the deficit. No, he's not. He's increasing the deficit $8.5 trillion over the next decade. Washington is out of control. Sacramento is broken. We live in a state that's ungovernable. There's a very good chance I don't retire in the state of California. You know, when I say I'm looking at a place in Tahoe, I'm looking at a place in Nevada because they're not as broken as California is. I'll move to the island of Tonga, which has got the lowest cost of living in the world. I like islands. I like skirts. I like hot weather. And I like low cost of living. So the budget plan for fiscal 2011, according to President Barack Obama, calls for nearly a trillion dollars in tax increases on families with income over $250,000 over the next decade. Largely by allowing tax cuts from the administration of George W. Bush to expire. But extensions of Bush tax cuts for the middle class, plus new tax cuts in Mr. Obama's jobs program, would cost the government $284 billion over the coming decade. So again, the only thing I really want you to get out of this deficit conversation that we're having, and I felt horrible because yesterday I gave three minutes to this budget conversation, and then I looked at it last night, and I just got angry. I mean, we're adding $8.5 trillion in debt. And Obama's blaming Bush. There's no doubt about it. And Bush could probably blame uh, Clinton because we had this artificial economy created on dot-coms and deregulation of telecommunications, which, you know, kind of got kind of crazy. We had the repeal of Glass-Steagall under Clinton, not under Bush. I mean, every president could probably point the finger backwards. And again, for instance, Clinton walked into an economy that was coming out of a recession. So he's considered the great white savior in large part because he showed up for his job. I don't really think Congress can get us out of recessions. So there I'm a little bit cynical. I really don't think they can. I think private industry can. I believe in giving tax cuts to businesses, small businesses in particular. I've got no problem with with enforcing tax codes on big business, none whatsoever. Because let's just put it this way. Your tax return, my tax return, Heidi's tax return, um, ExxonMobil's tax return, it's it's financial engineering. It ain't, it's, I, I support a flat tax because then you can't lie. Period. I would support a flat tax. The amount of financial engineering that goes on is is ludicrous. So the budget plan for 2011 calls for nearly $1 trillion in tax increases. Now, for the people over $250,000 in income, you know what they're going to do? They're smart. They're going to figure out how not to pay that. They're going to financially engineer their way down on that. They will. Or they'll take their business somewhere else. They'll say, hey, I've heard about China. Hey, I've heard about rebuilding in Haiti. Smart people know how to financially engineer their tax down to almost nothing. I can tell you, I can financially engineer my tax. I still pay a ridiculous, or if I was 18 years old, I'd say redonkulous. I pay a redonkulous amount of money in taxes, but I'm not at the highest tax bracket like I'm supposed to be. The Obama budget is subject to approval by Congress, and it's unlikely to pass without significant changes. Last year, proposals to limit tax deductions for upper-income households and force polluters to buy carbon emission credits were to basically pay for other initiatives, none of this passed. Now, under the Obama plan, budgets of the, for the Department of Agriculture, Commerce, Justice, Health and Human Services, and Housing and Urban Development would be cut. Let's just eliminate some of the government. That's how you save money. Eliminate. I would make a lot of our welfare programs that are nationwide more statewide. If you want to support states with on a bigger level, that's great. But I think you're, you're very, very arrogant if you're a federal government official and you think that you understand a whole nation of problems. Because we're very different state by state by state. Very different. California's issues are 
totally different than West Virginia's. Totally different than Arkansas's. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Let's go to Kenneth in Oakland. Kenneth? Hey, how you doing, Rob? Doing well. Good, good. Hey, I want to talk to you a little bit about the flat tax. I'm I'm not a big fan of the flat taxes, certainly because I'm in the 15% tax bracket. And I and I think they would end up needing, if you're talking about a flat tax, somewhere in between the 18 and 20% range to go ahead and sustain government and whatever they need to go ahead. And that would be a minimum. What, what do you think? What's your viewpoint on that? I've actually talked to Steve Forbes about the flat tax on numerous occasions. Um, real nice guy, just crazily misinterpreted by the media um i think he's not social at all and it, it it's times 50 when he gets on television i think um there's nations that have a flat tax and they're effectively in place at this point in time is it ideal no i think you would allow for exceptions for people who are making way too little money to avoid that flat tax um i think the 15 percent tax bracket is insulting um i think it is too low in my opinion i think it should be higher but then again, if you can't pay your bills, I think there should be some exemptions for it. For instance, you at the 15% tax bracket, you are a totally different beast, Kenneth, than someone in Arkansas at the 15% tax bracket. Right. That The federal, I mean, the wages that you need just to stay alive in the Bay Area are two to five times higher than other parts of the nation. So I, I understand the plight of different parts. And yeah, I do think you have to build it with exemptions. So it can't be a flat tax for 100% of people. But I'll tell you what, Kenneth, if I was paying a flat tax, I'd be paying probably a lot more than I am at this point in time. Yeah, and then also, I mean, the... Uh, and we could get rid of the IRS. Right, yeah, well, and then what they would also eliminate is uh, the uh, our mortgage. You would be able to... The mortgage you know, deduction, I think, should yeah. be... I think that should be eliminated. <gasps> oh, my God, oh, no! Yeah. Okay, Kenneth, now... Come on, that's a big part of my uh, my deduction of my uh, adjusted income. Let me get the pepper shaker out for you. Come on, if they took that away from us, that, oh, that would just uh, no. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't afford to live in California, Kenneth. You know, we came up, up with a we came up with a mortgage tax deduction for one reason. We wanted to encourage home ownership. Then we got up to seventy percent home ownership, and we created a freaking bubble. And we saw it comes back down to sixty six point six percent of Americans own a home. If most Americans own a home now, Kenneth, let's get rid of this deduction. We encourage the home ownership. Let's phase it out. Let's say it ends at the end of next year. Or let's phase it down. How about the renters? How about the people who are fiscally responsible and say, I can't afford to buy a house. I shouldn't buy a house. I will protect my family's future by renting. Why don't we give renter subsidies? I mean, we are a nation where we laugh like we go, oh, we give farmers subsidies for not growing tobacco <laughs> or they burn all their t- their corn. And we're, we're angry that we give subsidies for that. But we give subsidies. You don't have to pay taxes, Kenneth, because you want a home. I mean, let's call a spade a spade here. And, and let's just say that that's that's the rich get richer and the poor get poor. So, Kenneth, you're taking advantage of the poor in America because they're not getting the same tax breaks you are. <laughs> I don't think, I, Have you ever thought of yourself as an oppressor, Kenneth? You no, oppress the poor man. No, I don't. I don't think that. I think it's a case by case basis, though. And if you're allowed to go ahead and have those options, should you not utilize them? Yeah, but that wasn't our conversation. Our conversation yeah. was about eliminating right. and going to a flat tax. But I, yeah, if the tax laws are there, Kenneth, take advantage of them. Well, Kenneth, if you can get into a business and get the government to give you government money because your great 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 grandmother was part Cherokee, I say take advantage of it. So if there's a loophole, take it, go for it, run with it. Um, but that's, you know, I, I play by the law. Yeah. But if the laws let you, do it. Thanks for the call, Kenneth. Thank you. Kenneth is oppressing the poor man. 
We learned that here today. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show, 910 AM. More stimulating talk. to Rob Black, 9-10 a.m., more stimulating talk. Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Let's go to Jose in Belmont. Jose? Hello, uh, Mr. Black. I have a question for you. I hope you know. I have a, um, an account on a, on a banking institution and on a credit union. The bank, they, they want me to use Visa. When I buy stuff, they want to use visa. The more visa I use, they get more points and they get less less fees and so on. So that's the bank. They don't want me to use ATM. Now, the merchant, I have a credit, you know, who doesn't care. Now, I when I go buy some gas, gas or, or or anything, some they charge a fee. They don't they don't take credit cards, for instance. They only charge, they only take um, debit. And I ask you why they said because. Pizza's too much for me. So who pro- I want to know who profits every time I use pizza and every time I use this, uh, I use a, a debit card. Oh, who, who profits the most? Um, I'll tell you, and thanks for the call. Um, Visa, in first and foremost, and MasterCard are two of my favorite investments. Because every time you swipe your card, they make money. They've got a financial network. They don't have credit. So if Jose goes bankrupt when his Visa has got $90,000 on a Visa credit card... No, he's actually got $90,000 on a Bank of America credit card that Visa transacts. And in fact, you could say that Visa made money because he went bankrupt and spent more money than he should have. So when you sign a debit card receipt at a retailer, the store pays your bank an average of $0.75 for every $100 spent. That's more than twice as much as when you punch in the four-digit code as an ATM. So Walmart and Home Depot... They steer clients to punching in their PIN numbers. Now, for instance, I buy dog food at my dog food store, and for some reason, their debit system doesn't work as well as their ATM system. So they basically, um, you know, have to push me through the uh, the ATM. I like buying on debit card. Now, it's signature debit cards dominate debit use in our country, accounting for about sixty one percent of all such transactions. Even though PIN debit cards are less expensive and less vulnerable to fraud. So I like the pen transactions when you can. Um, and again, it's just a way of it's being transferred out. And Visa basically figured out many years ago 
that they they didn't really see obstacles ahead. They just saw opportunities ahead. So they enticed banks to embrace signature debit, which is the higher price method of handling debit cards. They turned over the fees to banks as an incentive to issue more Visa cards, at least initially MasterCard and Visa ultimately um, promoted, you know, pen debit instead. Now, debit cards have become the preferred plastic in American wallets. Visa's turned its attention back to pen debit and increased its market share even more. So um, that's how it works. So it's just a, a way of the retailers making money and the way of the retailers cutting their costs. So, for instance, Amex is very expensive, very expensive. So some gasoline, they go, no, we're not going to use Amex because... I know you think that when you go to the gas station, like, oh, they're making hand over fist on me. Screw these people. There's not a lot of margins in gas. There's very little margins in gas. You know where their margins are in? Diet Cokes and Ho-Hos and Twinkies and zigzags inside the convenience store side of it. So so they have to turn away the more expensive transaction processors because there's no margins in gasoline. It's very, very, very tight, all things considered. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. And for the record, uh, one analyst today said MasterCard should be a $329 stock. And he also said Visa should be $104. He says that the consensus is a secular shift from paper-based payments to electronic payments brings attractive volume growth to MasterCard and to Visa. But they also see two sets of revenue yield improvement opportunities that should be able to contribute revenue growth on top of the volume growth. They think the two opportunities seem underrecognized by the street, making them feel the long-term story is better than you expected. These companies are going to thump expectations for the next couple of years. I hate paper money. Hate it. Love swiping my card for a couple of reasons. Paper money's dirty. Paper money can get lost. Paper money deals with pennies. I hate freaking wrecking pennies. I love swiping my card. Love swiping it. One of the reasons I love swiping my card is I don't like people. I don't like people. I don't like management. I hate haters. People are always hating life. I hate people that, that don't tip waitresses. I hate people that give waitresses a tough time. They're busy. You try doing that job, run around five, six, seven different tables. Cut them some slack. I hate people. So what I like doing is, is my card. And that's one of the reasons, for instance, we as a nation, and there's an investment theme here. One of the reasons like restaurants do so well, I go to three restaurants. Now, if, like I'm on a date or I got to like go hang out, like I got to go hang out with Joe Cannon on Thursday. We're going to go to Nola's in Palo Alto, 530. Meet Rob Black informally. Don't say hello because I'll be with a friend. So me and Joe Cannon are going to be drinking at Nola's in, in Palo Alto. I wouldn't go there typically. I don't know the bartender. I don't know the service. I don't know the crowd. I don't really, I don't want to. So that's why one of these like plastic so powerful because you can just go to the gas station and swipe it on the outside. You don't have to go in inside and say hello to anyone. Same thing with restaurants. Like, we as a nation, we don't go to that many restaurants. We're not that experimental. When I first moved to San Francisco, I got the list of 100 top restaurants in San Francisco, and I probably made it through about 50 or 60 of them. And then I was like, you know what? The last 10 kind of sucked. I remember I really liked the service at number two. I really liked the service at number 14. And I really liked the service at number 12. And those are the only ones I ever went to ever again. I kind of got burned out, like, Boulevard is so wonderful. Boulevard's overrated crap. Hate to tell you, but it's overrated crap. Fifth floor, lovely. Lovely, lovely, lovely in the Bay Area. Slanted door, overrated crap. So portions are too small. A little bit uh, too arrogant. You have to go in there with an attitude. So, just my opinion. Paralon, 
Lovely. Lovely, lovely, lovely. What else is good? I'm not going to go through my restaurants because this is a show about you, not me. Jardinier, probably my favorite restaurant in, the, in San Francisco, Jardinier. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639. Next segment, I want to do a story on the govern, govern, government, 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 governor, the governor's race in California and how much money is being dropped. It is crazy how much money is being dropped for, you know, a race that a lot of people don't even go out and vote on. So I got a little Meg Whitman. Wait, wait, who is that? Is that Rob during sexy time? No, no, that's Governor Schwarzenegger. So I'm going to talk a little Steve Poisner. I'm going to talk a little Meg Whitman and uh, how much money they're going after on old man Jerry Brown. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639. It's the Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. The Glenn Beck Program coming up at 12 noon. Now, Rob Black, 9, 10 a.m., more stimulating talk. Three four five five six three nine to get calls on the air. In just a couple of minutes, I'm going to talk about how much money is being spent in this race for the governor's seat. Heidi and myself had a, a fun conversation off air, and she's one of those people that I like. I could probably count on a nine-fingered hand how many people I like in the world. I'm very, very picky, very picky. And I know you're saying you got a nine-fingered hand. Let's get a Patrick in San Mateo. Hey, Rob, how you doing? Good. How's San Mateo, Patrick? Okay, it's doing pretty well. Thank you. Um, so I wanted to make a comment about the whole cash versus swipe thing, and okay. Okay. I actually prefer cash. I think you, uh, you're missing out on a lot of the good stuff that cash has with it, aside from the smell and how dirty it is. It's good for strippers. It's nice to have those $1 bills. <laughs> well, that's messed up if you're giving them $1 bills. It's definitely good for strippers. Um, I prefer cash because, first of all, it makes it easy to keep a budget. I, I You take out, I mean, if you're, will, if you're wealthy, if you're well off, it may not make a difference. But for people who are actually struggling, struggling in the economy, if you make a budget and take out, you know, whatever the $150, $200 you need that week for groceries and for gas. and, and Patrick, you have no, Patrick, you have no discipline. I mean, that's what you're basically saying is that cash keeps you disciplined. You can use Mint.com, put your credit card into it, and it'll tell you your budget even better. It'll say, Patrick, you spent $400 on restaurants, you fat pig, and you only spent $20 on groceries. Like, you can use the tools out there to even make your budget 10 times better. So I disagree with you. But go ahead. Next point. And I, I totally agree with you with the whole discipline thing. I'm not de- debating yeah, that. Cool. But most people don't have discipline because, for example, I don't have any credit card debt. I don't have any debt at all. My cars are paid for. Everything's paid for. Okay. But most people in this society swipe way too quickly. And maybe I do use cash as a way to discipline myself, but I'm one of the minority people who don't have any debt. So it, it's one of those things where I totally agree the whole discipline thing, but I think it leads people in the wrong direction. I mean, people are way too quick to, wow, I really can't afford this, but what the hell, swipe? Agreed, agreed. And I think that's, again, it comes back down to discipline. I've got a credit card that I use maybe twice a year, and I only use it when my washer blows up or my dryer blows up or my refrigerator. 
And then I yeah. buy something, and I, I do pay the 12% interest on it, and I'm embarrassed by that, Patrick, but my credit score is better than you, so I can get a better rate on a mortgage than you. So I'm willing to overpay for an appliance so that I can get a better rate on a mortgage. Totally, totally. And, and then the last reason is I'm just lazy. I don't like to balance my checkbook. And I know that if I make 15 swipes between gas and little yeah. things here and there, at the end of the month, I have to kind of look over what I'm spending. Sure. I take cash. I know I took out 200 bucks, you know, every Friday, and that's it. All I got to do is look down the four transactions. And that's my main reason is uh, just pure laziness. I don't like to balance the checkbook. Okay. And I, I, I hear you, and I think we can agree to disagree because a lot of your arguments are right, but they fall back on the side of discipline. Do you have the discipline for a guy who's self-proclaimed lazy to go take out $200 a week and not, not raid the ATM machine and get hit with fees? Do I have a discipline? Yeah. Um, I guess you're talking about me. I don't, I don't understand the question. Do you have the discipline to actually go get $200 a week and live off $200 a week? Like, because I'm, I'd be Do tempted. I? I would burn through that, and then I'd be like, ooh, go hit the ATM, and then I get hit with ATM fees. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's one of those things where it's not like it's all I spend. Obviously, you pay the major bills with, with checks and things of that nature. But it's one of those things where, okay, this is the play money. This is what I take out. This is what I spend. This is what I get to, to spend on, on just the, uh, the impulse items, which end up in the garbage within a few weeks anyway. So it's, it's more of a, I don't like to spend under a couple hundred dollars on my card because it just creates a whole list of, you know, the gum you buy, the six-pack of beer, the, the gas you get. It just creates a list of stuff I got to then look after. Yeah, I don't buy gum. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate your time. Thanks for the call, Patrick. I appreciate it. Very eloquent, well-spoken call that we can agree to disagree on. I think he's wrong. I think he's retarded. I think he's stupid. I think I would put him in the Darwinian wood chipper. Kidding, 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 kidding. So he, he, had, he had made good points. Go to Paul and Milbray. Paul? Hey, Rob. Um, I, I love the conversation just listening to it. It was like, I'm right. Both of you were in the I'm right conversation. That's the best part about having a radio show, because when he hangs up, I could say, I was right, he was wrong. I get the last right. word. And it's a great world to live in. It is a great world to live in. And he was wrong about strippers. Like, for instance, um, up in Oregon, I go to Oregon a lot. It's got the highest number of strip clubs per capita. And I have never actually seen this, but there's a one-armed stripper. And she probably only deserves ones and not fives. Like, that's more of a, a discount stripper than a premium. But that's neither here nor there. Would you agree with me, Paul? Would you agree with me? I'm sure you're right. I don't go to strip clubs. I don't either. I find it offensive, pain for respect and love. Um, I, I always thought sex was a participatory sport, so I really don't enjoy watching it. You, I find it to be a predatory sport. Like, it's a hunting game, not participatory. Yeah. Okay. The thrill is in the you know chase. Your, your life is like at home. <laughs> not good, right? No, it may be wonderful. I don't know what your wife's like. Oh, good God, Paul. Who knows? It's all kinds in the Bay Area, doesn't it? Yeah, and you know, my first marriage ended in divorce, so just know that that the thrill is in the, yeah, the thrill is in the chase, and it's not all that it's cracked up to be, Paul. But anyway, right. we're not going to. I let, have an issue with your thing about mortgage deduction not being um, deductible off your taxes. So everyone's angry. Everyone's angry at me today and thinks I'm wrong. No, 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 no. no it's not angry. Okay. It's, let's take it all the way through then. All interest is non-deductible off of any corporation, anybody. And let's watch the economy just crumble. I mean, why should a corporation be able to take interest expenses off on their taxes, but an individual isn't? A lot of businesses can't take interest expenses off. Oh, yes, they can. Mm, 
What are you talking about? I, corporations can take ex- interest expenses off. Not all of them. No, they can't. Uh, it depends on exactly what they're doing, such as like real estate. It depends on the exactly the type of investment that it's in, for sure. Yeah. So why should they be allowed to buy an office building of, you know, $100 million and then be able to expense that interest? Well, in theory, yeah, yeah let's, in theory, let's use the business as an argument. And for the record, we're talking about, and let me reset this topic, um, a couple minutes ago, a couple segments ago, I talked about, I think that the, I own a home and I, I depreciate my interest, Paul. So I'm on this, I'm on your side. I think that is a perk for wealthy people. People who can afford a home get to lower their taxable income. I can go from the 35% bracket all the way to the 30% bracket just because I own a home. So to me, that's a government subsidy, and there's no way of looking at it other than a government subsidy. The government says, you own a home, I'm going to subsidize your your income tax. Right. Okay. And and the thing is that they're looking for the social structure that that supports as of people are invested in their homes. You know, I do home repairs myself. Sure. Keep the community up. When you're a renter, I lived in New York City many, many years. Sure. Nobody cares a hoot about their apartment building they live in unless they live in there a long time. They destroy it. They sure. just don't care when you don't own it yourself. I think there's an argument for that, absolutely, that home ownership is good for society. But I could also make the same argument, Paul, that home ownership has pushed people into bankruptcy and foreclosure at a, an alarming rate that we've never seen in our lifetime or in the history of the United States. Like we over encouraged it and and we overstimulated it. Absolutely. Not only did we give them not only did we give them tax deductions but frick, we're like, you don't even have to have, you know, a pulse to get a mortgage. We- I agree. And that was, that was the mistake that they, they did with that. But if you still stayed with some tried and true rules as of, you know, 10% down sure, yeah, yeah. and people that actually have verifiable income, you wouldn't have had this. I remember two years ago, front page San Jose Mercury News, a social worker who made, made $33,000 a year bought a $600,000 home. And that, I just looked at the front page of the Mercury News, and I just said, it's over. Ridiculousness, logic has left the world. And I guarantee you that woman is in foreclosure. Sure. She's already lost the home. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, was, it was insanity, them giving money away like they did. Instead of, and, and what it did, it kept the economy, it kept people feeling good. We're in the middle of a war. Oh, but we got homeownerships going great. We're all making money. And, and they, just, they just threw money at people, and now we're paying the price now. Back when the interest tax deduction was introduced, Paul, homeownership was less in the United States, and it was a way of encouraging homeownership. Mm-hmm. At some point in time, would you agree with the statement, we get full homeownership, and we, we need some renters, we need some transient people, because people who are 20 today, 25, 30, they're going to go through four or five jobs, and if they get into a home with the interest deduction, they're basically going to overpay, they're going to keep the market artificially high. They're going to get the 3% transaction cost to buy, 3% to sell. They're going to, it's expensive. Like, in, I don't think we should encourage homeownership as much as we do now. I don't think it's as needed. Well, I think, I think them pushing it up, uh, up into the 70% range was, was insanity. Okay. So we agree mostly. Paul. I, I, I agree with that, but, but taking the deduction away, you know, I think it, it fundamentally restructure the country. Oh yeah, totally. Can we do that? Maybe do it over a 40 year period. But also at the same time, yeah. so people know it's going to happen. Absolutely, Paul. But also, don't you think that we have too many tax loops and tax deductions out there already that our IRS code is, it's, it's unimaginable. 
It's 15,000 pages of tax code. I think it should be like, you should be able to do a tax return in five pages, maybe. And that's for a very wealthy person, you know. I agree. Normal people should be able to do it in the one page, you know, the 1040 easy or something like that. Yep. So I think we should be that easy. We agree more than we disagree, Paul. Thanks for the call. Absolutely. Bye. 800-345-5639. 800-345-5639. For every dollar Jerry Brown has spent in 2009, I'm going to tease this for the next segment. Meg Whitman, who has invested $39 million of her own campaign, she's burned over 50. So Jerry Brown throws in a dollar, she throws in 50. Who do you think is going to win this war? We'll talk about the war of money and running for the governor. And holy mackerel, it's mean and nasty, but... Are we a government that's elected by the people? Are we a government that's bought? I think it's a government that's bought. 800 345 It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Ahead at noon, Glenn Beck. Now, Rob Black. 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. No. Black's favorite band, Talking Heads. I know you're saying they haven't come out with anything new in 20 years. I know. I do like David Burns doing the songs from 20 years ago. I'm not so crazy about some of his newer stuff. I like some of his Latin infusion stuff, but that was 15 years ago. I was going to, I've done many, many radio shows, and once I was starting off a new show, and I was like, this is going to be the song. This is going to be the theme song. We're on the road to nowhere. Because I think it sums up my generation, Generation X. I don't think we're saving enough money for retirement. I really don't. I think we're a nation of stupid people. And I think we are on the road to nowhere. For instance, today, there is a company, the medical journal, The Lancet. They withdrew a 1998 study linking autism with inoculation of three childhood illnesses. So, we no longer have to look at the blonde. We no longer have to look at her going on Oprah and talking about how autism and her poor little kid, she cured autism. I cured my baby's autism. He got, he had shots and now I cured his autism. It's Drew Carey, uh, not Drew Carey, but Jim Carey's wife. Jenny McCarthy. Jenny McCarthy. Thank you. And uh, so that that's now been thrown out. That study's been thrown out. But we're a nation of Oprah watchers. And if Oprah says it, we believe it to be true. I hate Oprah Winfrey because of that very uh, little fact. She she will put something controversial on and people will assume that it's true. For instance, the flu shot has no flu in it. You can't, it's impossible to get the flu from the flu shot. You can get sick from the particles in the flu shot, but you can't get the flu from the flu shot. There's no flu in it. It's pieces of flu. But it would be like saying that you can get eaten by a dinosaur because they, they put a little dinosaur bone in you. It's not the same thing. We're not the smartest nation, but we run with things. We go, oh, I heard this person got sick from the flu shot. <laughs> Must be true. Could be that they drank too much booze the night before. Could be. Could be that they got a weak immune system. Could be that, you know, they're, they're just sickly. I think, uh, for instance, one of my theories is if you're sick a lot as a kid, you're not so sick as an adult. If you're not sick as a kid, you get more sickly as an adult. 
just ultimately these things catch up with you. And I do think flu shots work. So, and I do believe in Bigfoot. But to me, Bigfoot's just a big, hairy dude on the beach that I saw when I was six years old that scared the hell out of me. I don't believe in UFOs. Not the type that are flying, you know, spaceships. Sure, I think there could be an amoeba on Mars. Sure, I'll go with that. But I don't think there's flying saucers. With four months left, four months left before the June primary election. I know, I know. Before we could even know November, we got to go through June. Now, I love this because I work in television and radio. And the best thing about television and radio is it's well-funded during election season. Every other commercial break, it's Meg Whitman talking about something. She pays money for that. Radio and TV bosses kind of get happy every two years when it's election cycle. Two leading Republican candidates for governor, they've poured $58 million of their own money into their campaigns. Democratic nominee, who's presumptive, Attorney General, Brown, uh, Attorney General Jerry Brown, he's conserved his money. He hasn't spent anything. Have you heard him once? Uh-uh. He ain't got the kind of funding that Meg Whitman has. Or Poisoner. Steve Poisoner. The 71-year-old Jerry Brown, a former two-term governor, he is still announced in the race. He spent over $370,000 last year, mostly on mundane things like office expenses. He spent $79,000 on office expenses. At the end of 2009, Brown has $12 million on hand. And yet, no commercials. You haven't seen him on TV. You haven't seen him on radio. For every dollar that Brown has spent in 2009, Meg Whitman, she's put $39 million of her own money. Keep in mind, Brown only has $12 million. She's already spent $39 million. So for every dollar he spent, she's spent 50 That's crazy, right? The former eBay chief and political neophyte, i.e. Wookiee. She's Han Solo's buddy. No, no, no. She's a rookie. Rookie. Whoops. Difference between an R and an O. W. She spent more than $19 million already on radio. We love her. We love her in radio. Insurance Commissioner Steve Poisner. A multi-millionaire. He's challenging Whitman for the GOP nomination. He's landed in between. He's infused his campaign for, with $19.2 million of his own money. And he's already spent $3.7 million in the year 2009. Again, Brown hasn't. Brown spent $370,000. So it's telling, the money's huge, right? Without that expenditure, where would Meg Whitman be? Where would Steve Poisner be? Because they've gotten a lot of political awareness from this money. Campaign war chest, it combined $80 million for the three candidates. It's probably going to mean a flood of TV and radio ads from here through June and from June through November. Now, for his part, Jerry Brown is saying, I got to wait. Because I got to wait till June to start spending to know who my candidate or who I'm running against. So I can start bashing them. He didn't quite say it that way, but kind of close. There's a Democrat strategist, Roger Salazar. Name like Salazar sounds like a lizard, doesn't it? It's got enough L's and Z's and R's in it that you're like lizard. So so I'm just going to rename him Roger Salamander Zal, the our lizard dude. He's a Democrat strategist. He's advising Brown for free. He said the attorney general's decade of experience meant he doesn't need to pay. So Jerry Brown's got that going for him. He's been to Sacramento. He's been around the state of California. His father's been around California. His father has been to Sacramento. Can I chime in here? Uh Uh-oh, Heidi's chiming in. This, I think that the Democrats could take a lesson from what happened in Massachusetts and not rest on their laurels at this point. 
It's very similar. Long history of being a politician in California. Name recognition sounds like the Kennedys. Um, but he's not going to start campaigning till the very last minute and then think that he's going to win a race um, where his competitors have been around for doing this for a year by that time. Bravo. That Bravo. seems ridiculous to me. Bravo, Heidi. Bravo. So good point. Touche. And um, I think I'm done with that topic. I think the gas is totally out of it. It's burnt. It's crisp. Like lighting a bud. You could light it two, three, four times, but then it's just charcoal. Give up on it. There's nothing organic left in it. We've we've run this this commentary into the ground. It's over. It's finished. It's done. It's Meg Whitman. Meg Whitman's running for governor as a Wookiee. Um, Amazon.com. You know one of the reasons, and I shouldn't say this. No, I'm not going to say it. Internal editor on. I'm not going to talk bad about Meg Whitman. I was going to talk about one of the reasons why I, I think people would vote for her, but I'm not going to. I'm going to withhold until she comes on air and I can challenge her. I've talked to Poisoner. I've talked to Campbell. Meg won't come on. She'll buy time. She'll buy commercial time. She won't come on and chit-chat with a guy who's going to be pretty friendly. Again, keep in mind, my I, I'm like what is known as the softball interviewer. So tell me what you like about running for governor. You know, I'm not going to ask anything tough. So illegal immigrants, where do you where do you stand on that? Ooh, our budget looks like a problem. Any thoughts? I'm not exactly a hard hitting interviewer. I don't go. You were a dirty whore back at eBay, and you fired lots of people. I'm never going to go that direction. It's just not who I am. Anyway, let's go to Amazon.com. Anyone else notice that Jeff Bezos from Amazon.com looks incredibly like Kevin Spacey? I think they could be brothers. Kaufman, Amazon.com. And by the way, Kevin Spacey is Kaiser Sose. So he is Kaiser Sose. The Usual Suspects, one of the greatest films of all time, in my opinion. It would be my top 10. First time you saw it's in the top 10. Second time you saw it, kind of weak. So it doesn't age terribly well, but it was great when you first saw it and you didn't know that Kaiser Sose is Kevin Spacey. So I'm sorry if you got um, Usual Suspects in your Netflix queue. I just ruined it for you. The whole movie's ruined because who is Kaiser Sose? It's Kevin Spacey. The gimp is really not a gimp. In fact, he's a mean, evil dude. But the whole time you think he's a gimp because that's what they show you. So Amazon.com and Macmillan. Um, big sell-off on Amazon recently. Macmillan's one of the big six book publishers. And um, so Amazon's pulled back. Now, one analyst is stepping up and protecting Amazon, saying the new pricing model, if it becomes an industry standard, would actually remove some scale advantage from Amazon, but Amazon would also make a lot more money. Profits would eat up from their share losses. It continues to believe that ebooks will be a niche product versus a mass market product, like the mass market of the iPod. I, I, I want a Kindle, but I'm not going to buy a Kindle. I'm just not going to do it. I, I, I want an e-reader, but I don't really want it that bad. I actually prefer having that, that flimsy paper in front of me. I actually prefer having a magazine in front of me. So, just me. So I agree with um, this analyst who's saying it's going to be a niche product. Ebooks will be a niche product versus the mass market. Amazon's the biggest share gainer for the physical book sales. So Amazon likely losing money on each digital bestseller at $9.99, whereas they would make about 30% if they were to jump it up to $12.99, $14.99. There would be some share losses, 
but there is also going to be a lot improved in profitability, improved profitability, improved profitability. So Apple, 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 you know, they designed their own semiconductor for the iPad and Wall Street's getting kind of amazed by this because last year Apple didn't sell iPads and last year Apple didn't sell semiconductors or make semiconductors and damn it if they can't reinvent themselves and do this stuff. They've taken a step towards challenging the norms of the mobile device industry. Device makers typically buy their chips from specialized microprocessor companies like NVIDIA or Qualcomm. The do-it-yourself approach that Apple has means that they can build it faster and keep it a lot more secret and go with battery-friendly angles. But when you design it on your own, you get that additional engineering cost, people. You get some potential product delays if the chip doesn't work as you want it to. So Apple bought their way into the chip industry back in 2008. They bought a 150-employee startup company called PA Semiconductor, also known as PA Semiconductor, or if you're playing state abbreviations, Pennsylvania Semiconductor. You get the idea. So once again, applause to Apple. They've got a history of trying to ostensibly best the competition, and it looks like the semiconductor is pretty good in keeping pace in the emerging class of mobile devices. Anyway, I love you. I will be back in 22 hours. Love me back. Praise me. Call the show with questions and, and praise. And every now and then when you want to criticize me, that's fine as well. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show, 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.